0: I have a a 13 year old son who's now playing football and I kind of had the same conversation that my father had with me. I said, hey, Joel, football is great in that it's got positions for big guys who are slow and for little guys who are fast. Unfortunately, you're little and you're slow. And so there's not a ton of great um, opportunities for you. But if you work really hard, you can do something. I explained to him, I said, hey, we all have a series of dials or knobs that we have access to. We have the speed, the strength, the size knobs, and those knobs, you can turn them, but you can just barely turn them really slowly over months and years. I said, but you have a whole set of knobs, like effort and uh, crazy is one of the knobs, and uh, there's a knob called fear, and there's a knob called consistency, and all of these knobs, You can just crank, like you can crank your effort knob, you can crank your crazy knob, you can turn your fear knob off. And I said, if most people are scared to, they're not willing to crank those knobs all the way. And if you do, then I'm telling you, you can make a difference. And he comes back the day after after his first practice and he said, dad, the knobs work. We believe that you are strong
1: by design Hello there. Welcome to the Strong by Design podcast show hosting today. Coach Chris Wilson, so happy to have you. We're honored uh, that you've landed on our show today. If this is a a new show for you, you're a first-time listener. uh, We thank you so much for uh, being a listener of the Strong by Design podcast. We have a lot of great past podcasts for you to go back and listen to. uh, Just hundreds and hundreds of amazing conversations that we've had over the years And we're just so grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you, uh, to have fantastic, truly remarkable people on the show who get to share their lives. Um, And I I get something from it every single time. Every conversation changes me. And I, I know it'll do the same for you. If you're a past listener of the show, great to have you back. You're part of the Strong by Design family. Thank you so much. All we ask of you is just one thing when you're done listening to this episode of the Strong by Design podcast that you share it with just one person, uh, that would mean so much to us. Somebody in your life who could benefit from the message today, the things that we talk about um, that really can be life changing and can really help somebody move the needle in their life, maybe change the, the direction of their life, the trajectory of their life and um, And because I know the words today from our very special guest can do that for you. So please share this episode with someone who could benefit. We thank you so much. So why is today's message a bit different and better than maybe what you're used to hearing in the world today, especially today? Uh, Because today's message is uh, is of hope and of positivity and that actually doing the right thing in your life, and not having to make the mistakes that many people make, uh, and, and end up learning from. Like you don't have to make those mistakes. You can actually do the right things, and uh, and the the life that you dream of can be yours uh, by following uh, the you know kind of the the, the standing o- your ground and following uh, a, a straight line to get to where you want to be, okay? Because the common things that a lot of us hear in life is, oh, don't make this mistake like I did. Uh, Listen and learn from me because I messed up big time by doing this, that, or the other. Stop this, don't do that because those kind of comments that we hear uh, around us all the time, and it's coming from a good place. These are people trying to help us, uh, typically younger people, right? Help younger people, oh, don't do this because this is where it led me. Well, what about the person who actually did stand their ground and can speak from the experience about making good decisions in their life and how the outcomes of those good decisions uh, brought them great success, regardless of how popular those decisions maybe were in in the moment and the consequences of making those good decisions in the moment? Our guest today is an ordinary man with a pretty extraordinary story. And that he's shared with young people all over the, uh, the United States, uh, well over half, half a million to almost a million young people in middle schools and high schools all around the country. And he's also doing some amazing stuff now, currently in his life, that we're going to get to and share more about uh, later in this podcast. So uh, Strong by Design audience, please meet our very special guest today, Mr. Joel Penton. Joel, it's great to have you on the show today.
0: Chris, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an honor to be
1: a part. Well, thank you, thank you. I, I want to tell the listeners because I I'm a huge football guy. Uh, in fact, how funny! I didn't even realize this. Swear to God, this is my football mug. On Sunday, we watch football, which is it's just. That's the mug I had right here, and we're getting ready for football season. So uh, when this airs, it, we, we will be full full bore into football season, but we're recording this right on the onset of, of football starting. I want to tell you a little bit about Joel because I always like this. As Growing up my whole life playing football, being an athlete, uh, I'm always drawn to people. Like of similar backgrounds and similar stories, but Joel's is really extra special. He's a graduate of The Ohio State University, played five years of football for the Buckeyes. He was a member of three Big Ten championship teams and a member of a national championship team and a four-time academic All-Big Ten selection, which all by itself is pretty remarkable. In his senior year, he actually received the very prestigious Werfel Trophy, which is known as the Humanitarian Heisman. So this is really almost above and beyond just, it's it's off the field excellence, right? It's not just what he did when he was on the field. If you're playing football for Ohio State, you're a hell of a good football player. But he was also doing a lot of stuff and changing lives as a young person off the field, which I think is so awesome. Uh The trophy is a national award that recognizes one college football player, just one, uh, in the entire country who best combines exemplary community service with athletic and academic achievement. And after he graduated from OSU, he turned down an opportunity to play professional football to begin a full-time speaking career, which is pretty, uh, pretty remarkable in its own right. And then since then, he's gone on to speak, like I said, to middle school and high school kids all over the country and start a new project uh, just a few years ago that has really kind of captured his passion and uh, changing his direction of his own life. So can't wait to hear more about that. So, Joel, again, so great to have you. I want to start by asking you you know, more personal questions like, number one. When, I have always liked speaking to large groups or, you know, I've like never uh, shied away from the spotlight and being in front of people, but I know for a lot, most people, it's like the biggest fear that they could have, right? <laughs> the fear of death and the fear of public speaking, right? right. And so y- you've done more public speaking than I'll ever do. Uh, speaking to our most impressionable people, our, our middle school and high school kids, which is huge. W- what What is that like to be in a room in a setting where all of these kids are dead silent and you have
0: their full attention? What does that feel like? Uh, yeah, it's a pretty remarkable feeling. Um, and it's remarkable in part because i I have experiences of being in those rooms on the other end, right? I remember being a student and having speakers come in or being in church and hearing a sermon and knowing that. Uh, real change can happen in those moments. It's not as though life is all about listening to a bunch of speakers, but uh, when you hear a message, it can really uh, leave an impact. Um, it's funny you say, uh, <laughs> to call back to yeah, that public speaking is a great fear. I think it was Seinfeld who said that. Uh, public speaking is the number one fear followed by death, which is second. And so people would rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy, I think was his. uh, I think you're absolutely right. That does sound like a Jerry Seinfeld thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but that's all to say that it's worth the cost. It is a bit nerve wracking. I'm over it now. You know, like anything, you get used to you get used to it. Um, But knowing that. You can have an impact on people at the same time, you know, multiple people at the same time. That's why I got into it. I come from a, a family of mathematicians. My mother was a math teacher. I have a sister that majored in mathematics at the Naval Academy. She's way smarter than me. Uh, but for me, when I actually came to faith was the big thing for me becoming a Christian. It would I, I would just share with ev- anybody I could talk to. But I thought, boy, if I could get up in front of people and I could, you know hit more you know two birds with one stone, ten birds with one stone, or a room of a hundred or a thousand people, then why not? That's just math at that point. Right.
1: And in a world where obviously in the public school system, where that's that's where you kind of became known, right? you You were a a speaker that went to public schools, talking to kids from eleven years old up till eighteen and being a real big influence it's an inspiration or motivational speaker for these for these kids but you're speaking to largely a secular audience in in most cases right i mean and but being a guy who's who's got a strong faith and you know christian uh, up upbringing and christian belief system you know h- how did that go over i mean obviously you can't make that kind of your your that's your foundation but it's not it's not something that you're necessarily verbal, uh, vocalizing in, in what you're 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 speaking principles that are based on your beliefs, but not in a way that's like has a religious tone to
0: it. So what? how did you how did you make that work? Well, we actually built a, a strategy that would enable us to take advantage of. That amazing opportunity of being in front of the entire school. To, to back up, I, I started speaking when I was in high school. Actually, as a 17-year-old is when I was first asked to preach a sermon to fill in for my pastor. <laughs> and so I, I said, sure. And I never thought, even to this day, I don't think of myself as some sort of great you know, orator or speaker or something. But like, I just try to be competent and do a good job, you know, and organize my thoughts well. And so when I was given the opportunity, I said, I said, sure. And I just developed a passion for it. And I thought, yeah, I, I could do this. And then when I went to college, I did a lot of speaking. Yes, I played for the Buckeyes and that opened up a lot of doors, gave me a platform. And I always wanted to be able to share my faith. Um, I wanted to share the gospel. And then, as I came out of college and I started doing speaking, uh, I started getting a lot of invitations at churches and youth groups. And I, yes, those gave me the opportunity to share my faith. However, I was sharing my faith with people who had already heard the message. Uh, there And if they weren't bringing me in to speak, they would bring in another Christian speaker. And so I thought, how can I get to people who maybe haven't heard the gospel, who most need this message? And at the same time, I had been getting invited to speak at public schools, public high schools and middle schools. And so a friend of mine and I developed a strategy that isn't totally unique. There's other people that have done this, but we do did a daytime school assembly on character. And like you said, I wasn't able to share the gospel to speak about my faith during that daytime school assembly. Uh, But I would try to do a great job and deliver what the school was looking for in terms of a character education message about commitment and making the right decisions. And, you know, we, we tried to really do well, but then we would also have an event in the evening where we would invite the students to come back when it was after hours, um, optional. We'd work with churches and the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and, and that type of thing. And we'd hold it at the school. But then I'd be free to be very open and I could essentially having already spoken to the students for. You know, something like an hour that day, I could come out and just get to the point and I could say, hey, you heard my story earlier today. Here's the part of my story I wasn't able to share because it was during the school day. But that's why I'm glad you're here tonight. Let me tell you about Jesus. And I have that opportunity in the evening. Wow. That's pretty fantastic.
1: And I mean, I grew up and ever since I can remember, I was part of the church you know i, I my my parents were rooted in, in, a, in a local church episcopalian church and um it was a great church very loving church uh great pastor amazing man that was there my whole childhood and uh, from baptism up through you know youth groups and you know doing taking trips to go help people and like and after hurricanes and building homes and stuff and doing all kinds of of, of great stuff and having fun uh, but yeah that wasn't something that was you know um, I say not popular but it's it's almost like there was that division between the, your youth group and church friends right and then your high school you know friends and you were still friendly with those people but it's, you know we all move in like groups and, and little little clicks and stuff when we we're younger right? And uh, so there's this separation of, of, of everything, of church and state, and and and. But when you're able to bring those those worlds together, as you've done, where you're just speaking truth to people, and your messaging is based on is biblical, but you can talk about those things without even bringing up the Bible, you know, which is so great because the truth is is it, it, we can see it and talk about it in different ways. Um, so that's it's, it's pretty pretty fantastic that you were able to do that. my question to you is, at what age did you realize that you were more interested in staying on more of the narrow path that would naturally kind of lead to separation with with certain groups? Like, obviously, growing up, you were a, an athlete and, and and pretty darn good one if you're going to end up playing at one of the, the most recognized college programs in all of sports. Um so, what was that like? I, obviously
0: you, you had you probably had some interesting uh, difficulties there yeah, great question. Well, I tell you. Part of that was just my love for sports. I started playing football at the age of nine. I wasn't very good when I first started playing, very uncoordinated, very slow. I remember being picked third from last out of like 50 kids when I tried out. Oh, wow. And my father really drilled it into me. He said, Joel, you don't have a ton of natural talent and ability, uh, but if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to never miss a workout. If you're willing to do mm-hmm. more than everyone else, then you could you could compete and you could excel. And so I took that to heart and so at a very young age I started doing as many push-ups and sit-ups every night before, as I could before I went to sleep. I uh, never missed a workout. I'd ask the coach um, when, you know, if there was a week off or something because of vacation or spring break or something, I would ask the coach to give me workouts to do when I was away. And it wasn't, you know, not that that's that, you know, notable, but it, I just knew that I would have to do that if I wanted to be able to excel. I didn't have the natural ability. And I had a group of friends as well who were somewhat like-minded. Some guys in the school that we just kind of agreed we were going to do the right thing. Um, because we know we just made some observations, right? We saw guys older than us who had great talent, great ability, but then would get mixed up in the wrong decisions and then would begin to fail. And we really wanted to do our best. And so we said, we were going to kind of hold each other accountable and we were going to continue to work hard. And, and, and that kind of, you know, that's part of the story I actually share with students is that that group held together until our junior year. And that's, um, there was some turbulation there, um, but through it all, I mean, I guess God protected me. And again, I knew that I needed to stick with it um and for, for it to pay off. And, and, and by God's grace, I by no means I'm perfect. And I've made, you know, my fair share of mistakes even just today. <laughs> but I have what some people would say is a boring story, right? Like I never ended up hitting rock bottom. I, you know, I never... Um, flunked out, or got arrested, or, or that type of thing, and I think what it goes to show is that, yeah, I mean, a normal person from a small town, if you make some good commitments and stick to them, uh, that it pays off. Yeah, and and that's not always the sexy
1: or attractive answer, right? That people are looking for because everyone wants the the quick fix or the uh, the the dramatic. Turn around and shift the 180 degree change from like, you know, you were at this point in your life and now you're here. And that's played up, obviously, uh, quite a bit in storytelling and movies and everything else that that, that we're so used to. But sometimes it's pretty fantastic when someone is just a certain way and is able to stay on that that narrow path all the way through Uh, and. It's pretty amazing that you didn't wander or fall from it, and that you were able to, to, uh, to have that that inner strength really uh, to to maintain. People aren't used to the grind, to sticking with something for an extended period of time. I think that's what's made our company Critical Bench successful for over two decades because we put in the work, we stay the course, we grind, we maintain and stick to our core values as a business and and how we do, you know, how we collaborate and the, the relationships that we maintain and that we keep and the things that we will and won't do. And that can lead to great success, but it's not it's not what everyone wants to hear. And, it's, and, and, it's, and it is certainly hard work to do that, to make those good decisions uh, repeatedly. Because, <laughs> you know, to, to, to kind of, not to say that we don't fail. We do. We fail plenty of times. And just like you said, I'm far from perfect. I make mistakes every single, every single day, you know. But I'm thankful that I, I have a, a compass to help keep me pointed at North, you know, and, uh, to know what's good from what's bad and to try and try and work towards that. So who was it question for you? Who was it in your life or person, people in your life that really modeled this path for you? Whether that's parents or coaches or uh, mentors of some kind who, like, who are the people that you really, besides your, your accountability, your friends that you were accountable to, uh, there had to be some other like guide who is the OB one in in your
0: life growing up? Yeah. Great question. Well, I think I had several, I, you know, I, I would have to first mention, my father, I have, I have a great father, who is a very good man, who I got to witness living a life of consistency, a life of hard work. I mean, he he says self deprecating things all the time about how you know God didn't give him very many talents or very many gifts, but he knows how to put in a, a hard day's work, um, and. He even told. I remember him telling me. I kind of alluded to it, but when I was getting into sports, he said, "Joel, you're a lot like me um, in in that you love playing sports, but you have exactly zero talent to do it." And um, but he. But what I saw. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but what I saw in him was that a life of just consistency and doing the right thing and living honorably that that is what I wanted to emulate. You know, I had plenty of interactions with people that um, would, you know, go off the rails. or um, And that just, it it didn't, it wasn't nearly as attractive to me as a man like my father, who was a good family man, who went to work and put in his time and was out in the yard playing catch with me. And and so he was a a great guide. And I felt a, a very high level of responsibility that I needed to, I needed to respond to that faithfulness to me, you know, that I needed to be faithful and responsible. And there were never any, it was never said to me, Hey, you need to make sure you get straight A's and you need to make sure you get a college football scholarship or something. But I almost felt like I, it was my responsibility <laughs> because I had, I had given, I had been been given so much that I didn't have any real excuse for not showing up and uh, putting in the effort. And so him, and then I had so many great coaches along the line. Um, uh, There's, I had a wrestling coach that said, you know, most people just don't know how far they can push their bodies. They live their whole lives not realizing how far they can push themselves. And... And in, in being a wrestler, it was a very influential to me that I realized, yeah, you can really push yourself. And I, I even had this um, conversation with my son. I have a, a 13-year-old son who's now playing football. And I kind of had the same conversation that my father had with me. I said, hey, Joel, I'm Joel Jr. He's Joel third. I said, Joel, you know... Um, Football is great in that it's got big, it's got positions for big guys who are slow and for little guys who are fast. Unfortunately, you're little and you're slow. And so there's not a ton of great um, opportunities for you. But if you work really hard, you can do something. I explained to him, I said, Hey, we all have a series of dials or knobs that we have access to. We have the speed, the strength, the uh, the size knobs we have, you know, and those knobs you can turn them, but you can just barely turn them really slowly over months and years. I said, but you have a whole set of knobs like effort and, uh, crazy is one of the knobs. And, uh, there's a knob called fear and there's a knob called consistency and all of these knobs, you can just crank like you can crank your effort knob. You can crank your crazy knob. You can turn your fear knob off. And I said, if most people are scared, to they're not willing to crank those knobs all the way. And if you do, then I'm telling you, you can make a difference. And he comes back the day after after his first practice and he said, dad, the knobs work. <laughs> um, but that's, I'm getting a little off of your question, but I think that I had coaches and my father kind of instilled those kind of principles in me. Yeah, and we can we
1: never forget those those coaches, or you know, or the impact of our of our parents. I think people today have really um, not given parents enough credit in terms of their influence. The parents, even with all this social media malarkey and all this stuff that's out there that kids are drawn to, no one has more influence over their children than their parents. Uh, until they are 18 and out of the house the parents are the most influential people in their life which is is pretty like I't say scary but it's it's pretty um, heavy as a parent to to think that but it's also pretty fantastic because I like that responsibility that I can be a great influence and leader for my son and my daughter and I, you have your Obviously, family picture over your shoulder there, which uh, I know you have four children, right? I have, I have five children. I have four boys and. A girl. Oh, now you have five, right? Yeah, because it's not updated right. the, since the, the fifth one came. So, uh, which is fantastic. You got a big old Brady bunch going right, on. That's right. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So, it's a great responsibility, but it's also really um, it feels terrific to. To have that responsibility and to know that you have all these years to, to teach and love on and guide uh, these little people uh, to have their own amazing life and journeys and to not get in the way of that, but to really help them kind of tap into their greatness with all of the, the like the knobs i love that uh i don't know that i've heard that before but i really love that how that can kind of apply because every kid will understand that and i know there's a lot of kids that don't feel like they have a lot of control over certain areas of their life but there are certain ones like you said like consistency and effort and and fear and all these things that they have massive control over um, and so that's so so great. I love that takeaway for all of you, all of the parents listening. Do the knobs. Talk to your kids about the knobs. I love it. Um, another question for you, Joel. Just in terms of like you you hit obviously a very high level of of achievement with your college experience, and you kind of are at you know so you're in your early twenties at this point, and. You have decisions to make, right, as to like, you know, what's my life look like over the next five to ten years? How hard was it? Maybe it wasn't for you to make a decision to not invest time and resources and effort into more football, but to pursue a career of speaking and, and, and really giving of yourself to, to young people.
0: Yeah. Uh, great question. I, I don't, it wasn't very hard for me to make that decision. It's what I really wanted to do. Um, I had played a lot of football. I had, you know, all the way through college and uh, I didn't have any major injuries, but I was feeling it in my body, feeling it in my neck and in my shoulders. And and I wasn't a marquee player at Ohio State. I was a four-year letterman. I started some games. I I did get some NFL looks. Uh I played in an all-star game. Uh so I likely would have signed with a team. However, I wasn't a going to be a, you know, top 3 round draft pick or something. And so it, it wasn't as though I was walking away from this massive pile of money or something. Um I And I had seen so many, you know, Ohio State, we send a bunch of guys to the NFL every year. And I had seen so many that would go as a ladder round draft pick or as uh, signing as a free agent. And maybe they would make it and it would be great. But more often than not, they would bounce around from team to team and make a little bit of money. But honestly, they would just kind of spend uh, few years of their life bouncing around. And I had a very clear vision for what I wanted to do with my life. And it wasn't necessarily playing football. I wanted to impact others and I wanted to do it through speaking. And I had uh, developed kind of a reputation as a guy that would speak and do a good job just from the speaking I had done in college. And so I had many opportunities that I could take advantage of right away to um, from just the platform as an Ohio state Buckeye and Ohio that, you know, Ohio is pretty crazy about Ohio state. It's the culture is pretty wild. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And so I knew that I could jump right into speaking. I could start with Ohio fresh out of college and that I was on a bit of a, a, a clock that I needed to, improve and demonstrate that I should be speaking professionally because of my speaking ability instead of simply just because of my platform that maybe at first people brought me in because I played football but before long I needed people to just to bring me in because I was a good speaker who happened to play football and I wanted to get I wanted to get after that that new goal and so that's that's what I did yeah and and the fact that you said you were
1: doing it Like while you were still in high school and doing it through your college experience, um, you were already pretty warm to this idea and, and probably knew without a doubt like that whole like last year or two that you were playing like
0: this is my future. Right. Yeah. And it's because I would just because I liked it because I wanted to share my faith with others. I wanted to talk about Jesus. I would go to every church that invited me if I could fit it in my schedule. And so um, when I remember that by the, and and then word spread that I was willing to do that. And so more people would call me. And so when I was graduating, I remember looking in my inbox and saw that, wow, I had 70 outstanding speaking requests from the community. Again, just because word had spread that I would do this and do a decent job. And so I realized I can just like hit the ground running and answer these requests and and start this career. Wow. That's fantastic.
1: Well, there's not there's not much better than going and to a live um you know, I've I've done virtual stuff, right? We all have the last couple of years, right? Everything became virtual for us for a for a forced period of time. But there's not much better than going to, to a live event, a live conference, to feel the energy of the room, the energy of the people in the audience, the energy of the person speaking on stage. You really has something to say, and how life changing that that can really be. Uh, I've been to like GLS before, you know, and and uh, several other you know live things, live events. Um, we have one coming up here. Actually, it's just a second annual uh, Florida Faith Leaders Summit here in Orlando, which uh, is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, the first year of it last uh, last October, and so so excited to go to that. But just to be in the room with other people, uh, it, there's just something about it that if no one, if someone listening has not experienced that, uh, that you know, I, I urge them to go and be be a participant. In a live event that's about growth about leadership about you know about entrepreneurship about faith about anything that can really change where you're at in life because it's just that connecting uh, with other people and that that way that event can make you feel that's unlike anything that we'll get in a in a virtual setting um, there's just something special about it and obviously you know. <laughs> Exactly what I'm talking about after being part of that so many times over the years. Um, speaking of which, out of all the different live events that you participated in, all the the people that you spoke with and schools that you were at, is there one or maybe a few that really stand out to you that you left feeling like changed or transformed from?
0: Wow, great question. Um, you know, there are sermons I've preached in churches that um, as I'm sharing straight out of scripture that I feel like I'm preaching to myself (laughs) and that I'm just hopeful that people are learning as much uh, as I am because I feel the spirit moves so uh, much there are times in schools I'm, I don't know if I'd be able to give you a specific one but especially when you get into these challenging situations uh, it can be very powerful that um, I, I tend to think that a public high school is the hardest audience that's out there because the teenagers are by nature very skeptical and they know that okay this person, my school principal paid this person to come here to try to fix me or something, you know? And so they like, they're very skeptical. And so, and then when you get into an environment that's rough, like a gymnasium where there's stands on this side and there's stands on the other side and there's maybe stands far at the far end. And you're like, how am I supposed to really get the attention of all these people in these different areas who don't even want to be in this room? And... And to start there, but then to gain the rapport to the point that you get into the presentation and in a gym of maybe 2000 students that you could hear a pin drop as they're waiting to hear what happens as I'm telling the story of being rejected by the my closest friends. Um, And then to know and then to get to meet some of these students afterwards. It, it is a powerful, and like you said, it's an experience that you, can, you just can't replicate with digital, right? It, and in the same way that a, a phone call, you know that a phone call is one thing, but sitting across the table from a flesh and blood human being over a cup of coffee, that's different. And similarly, you can't replace that feeling in the same room as everybody's there in the energy. It's something about the way God made us um, that we can, it's a, it's a real thing. It really is.
1: Uh, We are, we are pack animals as much as we think that we can, you know, survive in isolation. um, I think most of us really just can't. In fact, I think we're not even close to tapping into our potential when we're isolated from each other. Uh, We work much better in groups and it's just about finding the right group <laughs> to associate with and stuff. But, I mean, I can speak from experience over the years, being parts of teams and groups and organizations, and and um, uh, I, I'm part of a, a fellowship group that we, we actually meet virtually and in person, but we do a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. every week. It's a group of guys, about 15 men or so, and anywhere from 5 to 15 of us show up every Saturday morning and just... Talk about life together for an hour. And I know there's not, it's not a cool thing for men to share their feelings, right? But I'm a 46-year-old man. I'm a, a husband and a father, and I'm a, I am ai mess up and fail as much as anybody, like I said. But it's great when you're in a group of trusted people that you love that will listen to you and your story and maybe some issues or challenges and they'll provide great feedback, and then you can do the same for them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's a great, great thing to, to be able to have that. And if I didn't, I'd be I'd be less of who I am today. Right. And yeah, I think we all need that that um, that ability to connect and to network, uh, and to be around other people uh, that can help us grow. Yeah. And so. I want to know more. You have the shirt on, LifeWise Academy. This is something we talked about briefly before I started recording about what you're doing in the world now, like where are your passions and obviously all these years of changing lives of, of our youth in public schools, middle schools and high schools, and it's led you to what you're doing today. Please share more about this.
0: Yeah, uh, thank you. I am. Um, Well, like I had said earlier that I got into speaking because of math, (laughs) because I was like, why speak to just one person if you can speak to a room? For me, it's always been what's going to be the most strategic way to share the gospel, to share about Jesus with Students in public schools who most need to hear about them, and so for me, for a long time, that was traveling and speaking and being in front of groups, and that seemed very strategic. And in 2018, I learned about something called released time religious instruction. Um, that's a it's a mouthful, but it is this very little known practice. I knew nothing about it, and now. I mean, it's hard to sleep. I'm so excited about it. Um, It is the practice of students being released from public school in the middle of the school day. And I I can't overstate how important that strategic distinctive is. Students are released in the middle of the school day to receive religious instruction, uh, provided the programs off school property, privately funded, and and, uh, students have parental permission. The Supreme Court ruled on this 70 years ago that it's constitutional. And now 26 states even have laws about it on the books. Ohio has a law about it. Florida has a law about it, that it is laid out. Students can do this. But again, almost no one knows it's possible. I became aware of it because people in my hometown, after I had moved away, They started a program. They bought a house next to the school. They renovated it to classrooms, started holding classes. Only about 30% of people in town attend church. But by the third year of holding classes, 95% of the public elementary school students were enrolled in the course, being taught the Bible once a week through the program. And so it was that group in my hometown that reached out to me in 2018 to say, Joel, we, are, if we were onto something here. We have this incredible program. Almost all of our students in town are now being taught the Bible. We can't figure out why other people don't have a program like this. And that's when uh, our organization that has traveling speakers and musicians that go into schools, we partnered up with the group in my hometown to create a plug-and-play program called LifeWise Academy, that any community can implement to begin teaching their public school students the bible again during school hours.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's I, I had no idea. I've never heard of that. Um makes perfect sense to me. I like that it's constitutional and <laughs> it's been around for a very long time and over half of our states actually uh have this like kind of like up and running, right? So to speak. Um so, what's what's your vision for this? For and obviously you've been at this now for three, four years. What do you really see this becoming in the next five to ten in terms of your influence and your ability to to grow it?
0: Yeah, well, our intent is to make it as widely available as possible. Honestly, we would love to see it in every single state, every single county, every single school district in the nation. Not necessarily because it's about life-wise, but because this is a vi- that I mean. Students have this ability to be taught the Bible during school hours, and we just say, "Why not?" And so, when we got started, we launched our first two programs in 2019, just to kind of figure it out. You know, what's prove the concept? Will this work? It went incredibly well. We launched more, even amidst the pandemic in 2020. Uh, this past school year, we served 36 schools across Ohio and into Indiana, and this year. We are going to be in over 120 schools across Ohio, Indiana, Iowa, can, uh, Pennsylvania. We'll be in Kansas, probably Georgia. And so it's, it is growing really rapidly. We have the impression that, uh, A, this it has been this kind of hidden gem, this missed opportunity. Uh, we believe it's the greatest missed opportunity to reach the next generation. And two, um, uh, did I say A, B? I don't know if it's, I'm on two or B, but uh, <laughs>
1: A, B, one, two, a, it's all the a same. A and
0: two or, or one and B. Um, the, the timing is right, that, that Christians are ready to, to kind of put denominational differences aside and kind of come together and be unified. And, and people just, they feel the culture. They know that we have a crisis of character, that that biblical literacy is low and we need to do something. And this is a great opportunity to do it. Agreed.
1: Yeah. I wanted to touch on that. Obviously, you know, the last hundred years, it seems like, uh, we have slowly been pulling God out of just about everything besides the church. And even that's happening, it seems. Um, and people wonder why things are, kind of the way they are. Um, and I just feel like, you know, if you, if you don't have, if you've built your houses on sand, eventually those houses are going to sink and fall apart. Um, you, have to, you have to build things on a strong foundation. And obviously, we've talked about that in past episodes on this show. You know, we are a, a fitness and health business. That's what we are. That's what I was telling Joel before we started recording. You know, Critical Bench has been around for over two decades. We are a fitness and health health publishing company, and we are fully online, but we are also a a company that's run by Christian men and women. And so we love to be able to infuse our biblical uh, thinking And belief system into our content and that's why you won't hear us cursing on our youtube content or you know when we do certain things in the business it's all grounded in our our core values which one of them is is faith and the others service passion positive attitude integrity decisiveness gratitude um these are things that are all biblically rooted you know and when you start pulling that stuff out of things, um, things start falling apart like a, a house of cards. And I, I I love what you are able to do with LifeWise and that this is something that's very real and um, has the potential, has great growth potential in, a, in, a, in a, a a culture that's really not going the right way Um we all need to learn to listen better and be more loving with each other, and um, treat each other with respect. And these are all biblical things. There's obviously you must have some kind of metrics, or, or what what kind of impact has this made to to your uh, observable, you know, uh, three four year period here in, in a certain school? Um, what impact? Uh, Is is being felt or made in some of these schools?
0: Yeah, well, I could I could tell I could go on for hours of the stories that we hear. Some really incredible stuff. I mean, there's a I could actually send you a video about a boy named Christian in one of our programs who, um, as the teacher says, was unfamiliar with even the word Bible, Uh, but his mother received the LifeWise flyer and. Uh, I was like, "Hey, Bible education—that can't—it can't hurt." And so she signs the kid up, and soon the kid's coming home. His life's been changed. He's saying, "Mom, let's go to church," and she's like, "Okay." And so then, before you know it, the entire family's plugged into church. You have a whole uh, a whole family that's transformed. That she literally on the video says she doesn't even know where their family would be if it hadn't been. For this program. And, and, and that's what, and it's not about the program, right? It's not about life-wise. It's not about us, but it is about how the Word of God really does change lives. I mean, the Bible talks about it's that seed that is planted and and it's mysterious, right? But it, it starts to grow and it puts down roots and it starts to sprout and to bloom. And that's what we see happening in lives. We we now have some, some statistics that are starting to come together where, well, one, we have surveys that 90 percent of teachers the public school teachers are seeing an impact and are saying they would love to see lifewise at other schools we sent that out to uh, i think we had like we had over 100 teachers administrators and teachers respond uh we just had a study done with a, a school that they took the uh some of the top students um who had the most office visits like teachers for disciplinary reasons send them to the office uh, and they compared the kids who were in LifeWise against the kids who were not. And over the course of the year, the kids who were in LifeWise, their trips to the office went down. And the kids who were not in LifeWise, their trips to the office actually went up over the course of the year. And so we can, we're can we starting to see some of those statistical things. But at the end of the day, we know the Word of God makes a difference. Yeah. Well, it does make a
1: difference. Again, it's... It... It, it, it's it's grounding these kids in something that's that's real where they 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 do all those things that that, that the Bible talks about right you know it's like lo- loving your neighbor uh, I mean it's the it's one of the the hardest things but the simplest things at the same time it's just what's what's loving your neighbor look like well your neighbor could be anybody right it could be your next door neighbor it could be your 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 neighbor next to you sitting in the classroom. It could be your you know the neighbor on on the school bus. These are all your neighbors, and if you're loving on them and doing the right thing with that one person, um, that's going to transform them and probably the way they interact and, and treat other people, right? And it's, so it's a, it's a ripple effect that's felt, much like this this boy who changed his mom's life, changed changed his family's life, and now they're going to probably because of their story. They're going to change someone else's life and it's and it's a compounding effect and it's it's just really wonderful and we need more of that in the world uh today and we just are so grateful for you and what you're doing and you're obviously your heart's in it um and uh like you're excited for your work right every day you wake up it's like i got another opportunity to take this thing to the next level which is a wonderful place to be, uh, I'm sure. It, it, what, what's that feel like every day when
0: you have that opportunity? Oh, it's so exciting. I mean, it, feels like, it, it really feels like the Lord has been preparing me. Over the years for this opportunity, right after making those relationships in schools and so learning, learning to speak to principals and superintendents and also learning to speak to students and and also learning to speak the church language and and to now have this opportunity where. Um, we have this program that needs to touch all those, right? I mean, it needs to speak the character ed language of the school and needs to be, you know, run by uh, people in churches, um, you know, uh, members of congregations and needs to also interact with students. And so, man, it's just, it is, like you said, it's exciting every day. It's not hard to get out of bed uh, to, to go to work, to push this thing forward.
1: Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing. Uh, just again, so, so honored to have you, uh, on the show and to share this, uh, with the, with all of our listeners, uh, which is so, so great. Where can people go to find more, uh, find out more about you? Obviously you have your one website, com, right? Um, but what, what, where can people go as, as, as well to learn more about LifeWise Academy? Is, Is there, you have a link for that?
0: Yeah, it's LifeWiseAcademy.org. Again, that's LifeWiseAcademy.org. And I would just really encourage anybody who's listening that is, is interested in this, I would encourage that anybody can get the effort started locally. The way these things start is through people signing a what we call a community interest list which is kind of like a petition you can find your school district on our website you can sign your list to say yeah I'd love to see this in my community you're not committing to doing anything other than saying yeah I'd love to see this you can then share that link with others and we collect 50 signatures first before we say okay the people in this community want to do this now let's start working with them let's start work, moving through the process and so that's all to say that Anybody, whether you're in ministry, whether you're a parent, whether whoever you are, you can look up your school district. You can voice your support and start the ball rolling.
1: Wow. Very, very good. Love that. Yeah, and it sounds like it's a pretty easy thing to do. We'll make sure to share those links in the description area and the show notes. So please uh, check those out right now. If you're listening. Um, and, um, like, so grateful for this opportunity. Another week here on the Strong by Design podcast where I knew we would have something amazing to say and to help change uh, the direction of your life uh, and the lives of those people uh, in, in your community. Uh, a great conversation with Joel. Uh, please share, as I uh, did at the start of this podcast, I said if there's one thing you could do that would really help it would be to share this episode with someone, a friend, a family member, anyone at all who you feel could benefit from what we've talked about today, how important it is to take care of our young people. Uh, they they need us now more than ever. They need strong leadership, and they need people that they can count on who are uh, who are doing it right who are, are uh, living a life that is strong by design. That's the whole whole thing. you know. Our show, Made in God's Image, to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. And every single day is an opportunity for you to do that, to make those choices, those good, de- de- good decisions that, that really can change, not just your life, but impact those in your world. So thank you so much. We love you here on Strong by Design. And uh, God bless you. Have an amazing rest of the week. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you.